0: This is Sid Roth, the Jewish man, who is meshuga for Yeshua. meshuga is a Hebrew word. It means crazy. Yeshua is Hebrew for Jesus. I am crazy for Jesus. Uh, the question I have for you is, who are you crazy for? I kind of like who I'm crazy for. I'm meshuga for Yeshua. Now, my guest on the telephone is Art Thomas. Uh, and Art, uh, I I love all the guests that I have, but I just saw your uh, DVD and uh, and your new book, uh, and you're, you had something happen in your teaching that I have never seen before. And I'm wondering if you're getting other reports like this. People that have never moved in miracles look at your video and they say, hey, that's easy. I can do that. And people that have had a few Their faith gets stretched. Are you getting that feedback? Because that's the reaction I had.
1: Oh, yeah, it's happening all the time. I think the craziest story we had, a a gentleman wrote to me. He said, I took your movie into a maximum security prison, showed it to about 65 inmates, and they started praying for each other. And one guy took out his hearing aids, was completely healed, his ears opened up, and they even confirmed it in the infirmary. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're hearing about people who are even brand-new Christians stepping out in Jesus' name and seeing results right away.
0: And, and, Art, since we haven't put the cameras up, we're going to put them up shortly. Uh, they have no idea of your age. How old are you?
1: I'm 30.
0: Okay. And as I said when you told me uh, the first time you were 30, that's a great age. That's when Jesus got started. But uh, you've done more than got started. You just got back from Uganda. What happened?
1: Oh, we had uh, lots of ministry out in the villages. We even went to an island on Lake Victoria. It was about 40 minutes offshore. And uh, five different villages, we saw 100% results of every single person who came for healing or wanted healing was healed. Um, And in pretty much every one of these villages, except for one that was an all-Muslim village, and I can tell that story too, but pretty much all of them, I would have uh, an altar call for salvation. Then we'd take one of the youngest kids who got saved and have them demonstrate to the church how to minister healing, and people would get healed instantly. The uh, difference was this Muslim village where we did an altar call and no one responded uh, for obvious reasons. Then I said, well, let's just show you how good Jesus is. And we ministered healing to a handful of people, and uh, I think it was six or seven healings there. And then we did an altar call again, and we had six or seven salvations. So, uh, yeah, we saw Jesus move in pretty powerful ways.
0: Uh, Now, I I have to tell you this. I have never been at a meeting where 100% of the people were healed. But had I been at a meeting where 100% were healed, I wouldn't have been as laid back as you were just now. (laughs) I mean, because you you do realize uh, that 99.9% of those that are believers that are listening to us have never even witnessed this before. I mean, this is outrageous according to uh, today's version of religion of Christianity. Uh, of course, it is normal according to the Bible. I kind of like the normal. Uh, now, I understand you were raised in a Pentecostal church. You saw a few miracles, uh, but it it you really didn't venture out into uh, miracles yourself till about 2009, uh, but you had a few experiences that uh, that I really want to find out about. Uh, for instance, tell me about the angelic encounter that you had that completely shifted your thinking. I was
1: helping plant a church in Fowlerville, Michigan, and uh, we had a prayer meeting. And while I was there just praying for the uh, community, uh, and really seeking miracles, I wanted to see the supernatural happen in my ministry. I was begging God for it. And all of a sudden, this angel appeared. And, uh, you know, it was kind of new to me. I didn't have many experiences like that. But when that happened, um, I, I, uh, I said, what, what are you here for? And
0: he... Excuse me, I, I have to question you on this. But, uh, I have seen angels. Uh, I, I actually talked with one once, but I didn't know it was an angel till it disappeared. Uh, however... What did this angel look like to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, seeing with my spiritual eyes. And so I just saw this really tall person who, uh, you know, I, my physical eyes, it was, I thought I was seeing with my physical eyes, but I knew I wasn't. It's probably the best way to describe it. And uh, that angel said, um, you know, the only thing necessary for a life of miracles is the presence of God. So stop seeking miracles and start seeking his presence. And that was revolutionary for me. It, it just shifted my whole way of thinking and my whole prayer life, even in, in terms of pursuing this.
0: Oh, OK. Uh, that was uh, what year?
1: Uh, probably about 2003. Uh,
0: OK. Now that but did miracles start right away?
1: Uh, no. Well, I, I should say, yes, miracles did. Healing miracles, no. Um, you know, we I saw a Clouds part uh, at a camp I was host or helping to staff for kids who were in the foster care system. We we saw a storm that was as far across the horizon as you could see coming at us. And as I spoke to that in Jesus' name, uh, I felt again. This was another one of those rare times I saw an angel. Massive angel rose up, spread its wings out, and I physically watched as the clouds parted in two directions. Radioed the other staff, said we're going to have the campfire tonight and uh sure enough you know some people saw the clouds parting they saw everything that happened and we had a campfire no rain <laughs>
0: Well, you told me about a heavenly vision that you had in two thousand and three that and and when you share this, I want everyone to listen because, as far as I'm concerned, that is- pro- as profound as the last statement you made is don't don't seek the miracles, seek the presence of God i mean i could I could camp there for a while uh, but but tell me about that heavenly vision you had.
1: Yeah, I was uh, in a prayer meeting with just some other friends of mine. Just It was a guy's Bible study. And while we were praying, I had uh, what I can really only describe as a trance. Uh, I know that's biblical. It happened to Peter. So, uh, you know, I, I just was not there even though I was there. And I, it was very real, almost dreamlike, but still real. And I was walking in this forest and through the trees, I could see these big mountains and everything. It was just really vivid and bright. And even though there was a thick canopy of foliage, everything was bright and alive. And I realized I was walking next to Jesus, and he took me over to this tree, right down by the base of it, and peeled back the grass as though it was maybe freshly laid sod, ran his fingers through the soil, and he said, you see, everything in my Father's kingdom is full of life. And I said, what do you mean? You mean the, the, like it's alive, like the, the dirt is alive? He said, no, I didn't say it's alive. I said it's full of life. Everything in my Father's kingdom is full of life. And as a citizen of this kingdom, you too are a life bringer who is full of life. And that's when it ended. And I wasn't even sure whether or not I should share it. I just wrote everything down. And then my friend who was sitting on the couch across the living room said, I just had the weirdest vision. I was on the top of this mountain looking down at a forest like I've never seen. And everything was bright and alive. And I felt the presence of God all around me. And I realized we were in the same place. I was looking through the trees at mountains, and he was looking down from a mountain at the trees. And uh, that was kind of my confirmation I could share it. That night, we put it into action. We went to a restaurant, and uh, it was a 24-hour restaurant. We were there till 1 in the morning sharing the gospel with a guy who got saved. And uh, it, was, it was spectacular. <laughs>
0: Tell me, in a practical way, um, how this revelation, everything in my Father's kingdom, is full of life. Let's suppose you're praying for someone with cancer. What does that knowledge how does that knowledge affect the way you're praying?
1: Yeah, I I actually at the moment didn't realize there was a biblical basis for this. Um, and that's really what has affected me most is uh, in John 5, I think it's around verse 19, Jesus said this, uh, the, uh, uh, everything the Father does, uh, you know, the Son does. He said uh, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his Father doing. And I realize that's true of me too, but his next verse uh says that uh, the Father gives life and raises the dead, even so the Son gives life to whomever He chooses. And that challenged me, because I realized many times people aren't being healed or whatever, because as a Son, not the Son, but a Son of God, I'm not choosing to minister to people. And I realized Jesus gave life to whomever He chose, and that challenged me. So in a practical way, I realized I carry life. I carry the Holy Spirit in me everywhere I go, everything I do, He's in me. He's through me. He wants to get out. And so I just need to choose to go to people and choose to minister to them and choose to love them in Jesus' name. And as a result, we start to see the life of God flow into people, and he's more eager to do it than we are.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, some of the things that uh, really excited me when I was watching your video— is uh you had a bunch of nonbelievers there uh in one in one of the scenes and you 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 have a, what some like uh 30 seasoned holy spirit uh ministers uh teaching on this video but more than teaching demonstrating uh which to me that's the jesus model anyway uh that there was one fella that uh he said to these nonbelievers just hold your hands out you'll feel the presence of god and the presence of god came on all of these nonbelievers but you know uh, Art, what happened there is what's happening with our our discussion right now. The presence of God is all over the studio. Do you realize that?
1: Oh, he's everywhere. I, I like to. Sit- I know
0: he's everywhere, but now, now I'm telling you, while I'm interviewing you, his presence is very high.
1: Yeah, I, I tell people when I go to meetings, I know the Holy Spirit's going to show up simply because I showed up. Now, that's not an arrogant statement. It's just because I'm confident that he's with me all the time and that he's longing to jump out and just minister to people.
0: Uh, there, there was one thing that happened to you, uh, someone that I've interviewed. His name is Todd White. He was speaking, and he got you upset. What did he say?
1: <laughs> yeah, this I, I had just had someone die of cancer, and I, at, at this point I had still never seen healing ministry work with my own eyes other than being healed myself.
0: Uh, had you prayed for many people that uh, were not healed?
1: Oh, yeah, easily hundreds. <laughs> hundreds. So here.
0: Well, guess what? I uh, maybe it's because I'm Jewish. I prayed for thousands and they weren't healed, <laughs> and I also had someone die on me. So uh, it, it's it's only being tenacious that, that I kept it up. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, that that stirred me up to really seek God. It was kind of like the breaking point for me. This has to work. I've got to find out why it works for others and not for me. And I was watching some YouTube videos. Found Todd White, and he said. Uh, you know, Mark 16 says these signs will accompany those who believe. So that means if these signs don't accompany you, there must be something up with your belief.
0: No, but go back to Todd. You have to go back to Todd White. He said something that upsets you.
1: Yeah, yeah. He said he said that Mark 16 says these signs will accompany those who believe. And that means that if these signs don't accompany you, there must be something up with your belief.
0: Well, 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 well. Now, that, that is not politically correct. I mean, Art. You don't tell people they don't have faith, they'll crucify you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and it bothered me, because here I was, a youth pastor. I had credentials. I, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to know everything and, and do everything right. And he's telling me something's up with my belief. And I decided I could either just sit around and be mad about it, or I could humble myself and seek out what is wrong with my belief that these other guys have right. And it doesn't mean that my belief is perfect now. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, people don't get healed because your theology is perfect. People get healed because Jesus paid the price. And I actually found that was the common element between all these people. I, you know, I studied everything from John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, in the turn of the century, to contemporaries like Todd White or Bill Johnson or some of these others. And uh, what I, the common element I found was each of these guys was convinced that it was always God's will to heal and that Jesus had paid for it with his blood. And when I made that shift in my thinking, and even I, I preached it in my youth group before I had ever done anything with it. And uh that's when we started seeing the miracles break loose.
0: But you also did one other thing. You took three months to do nothing but study healing. That's right. And and so you put that foundation in it and, and from what I understand. The miracles still didn't start, even after that study, even after all these things. They didn't start really uh, until about 2009.
1: Yeah, it was, it was uh, spring of 2009 when that lady in my church passed away. Three months of study, and then I stood up in August of 2009 and preached to my youth group, God wants to heal, he wants to use you to do it, even though I'd never done it before. And at the end of that service— But, but, but how,
0: how, did you, how did you do that after a woman dying of cancer? You're not seeing much going on. You're seeing, you're seeing supernatural things, but you're not seeing much healing going on. How did you have, I'll use a Hebrew word, the chutzpah, the nerve to do that?
1: Yeah, I, you know, one of the things I learned in that three-month journey was that I cannot base my theology and expectation off of disappointment. I have to base it off of the Word of God and especially the life and ministry of Jesus. And what you can find is there are nine different passages throughout the Gospels and the Book of Acts that say that Jesus healed every single person who came to him. There was no exception. There was no one that he said, I'm sorry, my father's building character in you. You'll have to stay leper a while longer. Uh, You know, he never turned anybody away saying no or not yet, or, you know, talk to me the next time I pass through your village. It was now is the day of salvation, and that Greek word for salvation, soteria, means both the salvation we think of, and it can also be translated as health. So we know that there's something he wants, body, soul, and spirit, the Greek word for save, sozo, same thing, the Hebrew word rafa, same thing, it sometimes translates as forgiveness, sometimes as healing, mostly as healing, but uh, yeah, God is after our wholeness, and when I saw that, I said, my experience is irrelevant, Jesus is true
0: now you you talked about you just got back from uganda uh how how many what was it five villages everyone is healed. your faith has to be sky high Can I get you in one of these segments to pray for healing absolutely but but let let let's talk about your d v d paid in full uh and your book forty days paid in full healing ministry activation manual um uh, I, I, you know, I've been in healing now for um, uh, more years than you've been alive, but it charged my faith. Uh, sometimes I understand people play this video for an entire church. What happens?
1: Yeah, we uh, we play it. For, we've had churches play it, and then they get together and start ministering to each other right at the end. Um, I just maybe three weeks ago received a re- another report, and uh, they said that, The pastor stood up and said, uh, you know, we've got this person here who's got this leg problem that's been going on for I don't know how long. Who's got the faith to do it? And some guy ran up, laid hands on her, and and they were healed. And uh, they they just had healings break out, uh, a whole bunch of them that they listed. I wish I could remember them all to recount them. Uh,
0: You know, I, I want to make something clear. Uh, you 're not talking for professional clergy you 're saying that the average person that goes to church as a uh, as part of the audience I hate to say it but that 's the way it is can now become a participant and is is this true for everyone like for instance I used to years ago uh, there was a man by the name of Kenneth Hagan. And he had amazing gifts of the spirit. And I remember one time, as before, I, I I understood healing. And I remember saying, "He's got a gift. How can he try and teach a gift? He just has a gift of healing. Not everyone can be like a Kenneth Hagen or the Benny Hines or or the Oral Roberts. uh but you're telling me, every believer can do what you do. Do you? Uh, is that what you're telling me?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there's a passage in Luke 6 where it says the crowds were tr- all trying to touch Jesus because power was coming from him and healing them all. And I realized that there in multiple other places, everyone who touched Jesus' body, or even just the hem of his garment, was completely healed. And I realized I ask churches pretty regularly, uh, you know, where is Jesus' body now? Well, physically, he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, but practically he's right here because we are the body of Christ. And so I just say, you know, you can be the pinky toe of Jesus and heal somebody. It doesn't matter what you are. All someone has to do is touch Jesus. And so if we will represent him well to each other, we're going to see results.
0: Well, let me make a promise on your DVD. And let me make a promise on your book, because it's short readings that covers every possible area that could cause your faith to be weak. Uh, And uh, this... Here's the promise I'm going to make. I believe if you watch the video, I believe if you read the book, and I believe if you follow the activation principles by praying for people, you're going to start seeing the same types of results that Art Thomas has. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. It's not even about the book. It's about Jesus. But uh, that's what our goal is, is to open people's eyes to what he has already proven to be true throughout the centuries.
0: Well, how about someone that's been in church for the last 25 years? They've seen a few miracles at their church. They've never seen a miracle when they've prayed. Uh, They're basically in unbelief, but they just don't know it. Uh, Would it help them?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was basically my story when I got started. (laughs)
0: All right, what about someone that is desperate for a miracle for themselves? What about if they just took the book just for themselves and saw the video just for themselves? What do you think would happen?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, anytime we discover that God wants us whole, it's going to, you know, change the way that we are seeking Him for even our own healing. Um, In fact, we've had many testimonies of people just watching the movie, getting healed while they were watching. Uh, A good friend of our family, actually, Uh, He just celebrated his 70th birthday a few months ago, and in August, a little over six months prior to this recording, he, uh, he he was diagnosed previously with prostate cancer. In August, he was given three months to live, and he saw our film about a month and a half into that. While watching in the middle of the film, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, don't worry about the cancer, go live your life. And so two days later, he saw his doctor. The doctor ran the scans. His PSA count was down. And the doctor said the exact same words, don't worry about the cancer, go live your life. And uh, that man was healed of cancer, so he had his 70th birthday, he's still kicking today.
0: <laughs> now, when someone finishes the activation manual, the 40-day paid in full activation manual, uh, they will probably have prayed for and seen more miracles than they've ever seen them life in their life uh, just by them praying. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. I'm, I... Again, like anybody who just steps out and realizes this is an opportunity, they can do this. But
0: but there's a confidence factor. You know, there's a confidence factor in reading the Word. But to me, seeing the video people that have never prayed for anyone before— Praying for someone and they get healed right, right before your eyes. And one after another, after another, after another healings, and and the best ministers around teaching in between. But you, you have actually people who have never prayed for people before on the video.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, we do a lot of that too.
0: <laughs> oh okay, look, um, we're going to have to take a break right now. But I need, I I need you to be activated. Do you know why I do? because mental apologetics is only good after you have the non-believers' undivided attention. But the way you get the non-believers' undivided attention is a miracle. So if you're trying to convince someone intellectually without the miraculous. It's like you're in a fight with a champion fighter and you have both arms tied behind your back. It's an unfair contest. Let's have a fair contest. I want everyone listening to me to start operating in miracles. For an investment of $39, I want to get this DVD and book into your hands as soon as possible. And when we come back, I, I want to find out about your two-year-old son that likes to pray for the sick. Call our order only line 1-800-447-2697. 447 2697 Hello, Sid Roth here with Art Thomas. Uh, now, Art, uh, this is kind of stretching it a little. Your wife is sick. W- what was wrong with your wife? And what did your two-year-old, two-year-old? Are you stretching it a little?
1: <laughs> no, no. I, and, and I care very deeply about accuracy in reports. So this was a, a crazy one. My wife was playing with my two boys. One's three and a half at the time and the other was two. And my three and a half year old jumped up from the floor and with his head popped my wife right in the nose. And we heard this really loud pop and blood starts pouring out of her nose. And instantly we knew, okay, her nose is broken. And uh, before we could even say anything or do anything, my two-year-old JJ runs over and says, "You okay, mommy?" puts his hand on her nose and says, "Mommy, be healed, Jesus' name." And the bleeding stopped, the pain stopped, and there is no evidence whatsoever of my wife having a broken nose.
0: I, I have a hunch that. Uh, no, what's your son's name again?
1: JJ Jeremiah James.
0: Okay, I have a hunch that Jeremiah James' faith is sky high. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, my boys see a lot of miracles happen. Even in our small group in our home, we have miracles happen about at least once a month, uh, it seems. So we've had some amazing things that they've been able to witness. And we just teach them to minister healing. You know, one of them comes to us with a boo-boo, and instead of, hey, can I kiss it, it's be healed in Jesus' name. How does that feel? (laughs) And they get healed pretty often.
0: Now, you didn't see uh, anything happening, really, before 2009. Uh, Now... Uh, how how many miracles would you say you've you've personally observed?
1: Yeah, it's got to be a rough estimate, but roughly three thousand or more.
0: Could you picture if you if you had a church where each member saw three thousand miracles? You wouldn't have a building large enough to contain all the people that would come. Uh, you now, speaking of children, uh, you were in Kenya speaking before three hundred children. What happened?
1: Yeah, this was on my very first trip to Africa in 2011, and uh, on our way back, the the man I was staying with said, hey, I I arranged a meeting for you at this school, and so I preached the gospel to these 300 kids who were probably third through fifth grade in our type of schooling, and uh, after preaching to them, telling them about Uganda and everything I saw, I told them about these friends I had in Uganda who were kicked out of their Muslim families and became street children because they came to follow Jesus. And I said, I can't promise you that if you become a Christian, everything will be wonderful, but I can promise you that Jesus is worth it. And if you want to receive this Jesus, I want you to stand up now. And as far as I could tell, all 300 of those kids stood up. And so uh, they, they prayed through a prayer of salvation in their own language, and then we, we moved on. I said, now Jesus said these signs will accompany those who believe, So how would you like to see what Jesus can do through you now that you believe? And they were just, you know, on the edge of their seats. Yeah, yeah, we want to see it. So I taught them about healing in about five minutes. And uh, after that, I said, now, if you have eye problems, ear problems, pain in your body, sickness, disease, and then I made the mistake of saying a bumper, scraper, a a bruise because every single kid in the room stood up.
0: Of course. And
1: uh, (laughs) so I was going to have those sitting, pray for those standing, and that was out of the question now. So I I just said, pair off, you know, two or three of you, and then taught them what to do. Put your hand where the problem is, say, be healed in Jesus' name, and test it out. And, you know, I've got a little bit of video of these kids doing this, and some of them are goofing off, but it doesn't say these signs will accompany those who believe if they don't goof off, even, you know. And uh, after that, I said, now, if you are healed, if you can test it out, the pain's gone, the skin's healed over, uh, you can see, you can hear, whatever it is, if you're healed, I want you to sit down. If not, stay standing, because we're going to minister again. And about half the room sat down. We did it a second time. About half of that group sat down. We did it a third time, and everybody except one boy in the front row. And when I watched the video later, I realized that no one had prayed for him the second or third time, so it made sense. I asked him, what's your problem? What happened to you? He said, my eyes. I can't read. So I laid hands on his eyes, eyes open in Jesus' name, opened up a Bible, and he smiled and started reading. And so here was a room of 300 kids. They've only been saved for about five minutes, and every single one of them ministered healing and was healed, and we saw 100% results.
0: No, no, Art, you don't understand. When someone gets saved, they have to sit and learn for the next couple of years. Uh, There's there's no way they could pray for the
1: sick. (laughs) Yeah, that's just a misconception that we've held for so long, and that was one of the things holding me back. I kept thinking I had to have this or that, Uh, added to my life before I could actually do something of value in the kingdom. And uh, I remember in in Luke 9, Jesus sent out his 12, and then uh, before the chapter even ends, they're arguing over who's the greatest, they're exclusive, they told a guy not to minister in Jesus' name, uh, and they were even murderous. They wanted to call down fire on a village, a Samaritan village that had rejected them. And, uh, you know, I always thought, well, if I was Jesus at that point, I would think twice about the caliber of people that I'm sending out in my name to represent me. But instead, the very beginning of the next chapter, Luke 10, he sends out 72 others. And then in the beginning of Luke 11, one of them even asks, Lord, teach us to pray. So they weren't even confident in their prayer lives yet. They had all these character flaws. They were prideful and murderous and exclusive. And yet Jesus was so interested in getting the commission accomplished, he just wanted people to go. It's as if he was saying, we'll work on your character along the way. And I can testify to that, that things have changed in my character faster while ministering to other people than if I had just sat around and waited to be perfect before I went out.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that I learned by watching from your video is I'm used to one quick prayer and go on to someone else. But I see most of your people, they keep praying until they see results, that, to me, that was pretty unique. There was a perseverance there that I haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, in John 9, Jesus ministered to a blind man. He said, what do you see? The man said, I see people like trees walking around. And Jesus didn't pat him on the back and say, Yahoo, partial healing, you know. He, he <laughs> put hands back on the man's eyes, and then his vision was fully restored. So I just tell people, let's go after this tenaciously like pit bulls. Um, and not just expect someone to mystically, suddenly, randomly get healed throughout the week. Uh, let's actually see Jesus get what he paid for now, since now is the day of salvation.
0: Oh, That reminds me of the story you talk about where someone, a woman that was nearsighted. Tell me about that.
1: Oh, yeah. Again, on my first trip in Uganda, here I was uh, in front of a church. i just taught them all to minister healing. And I, I just wanted to demonstrate. I wanted them to see how it works. So I said, How many of you have eye problems? And there was, I think, three or four hands. So just at random, I picked this lady in the second row and brought her up and laid hands on her eyes, said, Eyes open in Jesus' name, opened up a Bible, any change? She said, No. So I've learned it's not magic words. I don't have to change it up. I don't have to find the right string of words to twist God's arm. So I just did the same thing over and over and over eyes open in Jesus' name. Open the Bible, any change? No. And this went on for about 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, but, 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 but I don't know how you kept your audience.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't. There was
0: <laughs> Okay, that answers that.
1: <laughs> and at that moment, when she left, I realized I've got to do something. And so I turned to the, the congregation and said, uh, did Jesus pay for this woman to see? And they all very, you know, they waited, <laughs> even after it was translated, and finally someone said yes. I said, did he pay a very high price for this woman to see? And they smiled and shook their heads, yes. I said, then does it matter if I stand here and look like a fool in front of you, seeking for Jesus to receive what he paid for? And they just kind of smiled and laughed. I turned back to the woman, eyes open in Jesus' name, any change? No. This Another five minutes goes by, and suddenly she could read the large print headings at the top of the page. And it was kind of like this slight relief, because I want to see 100%, but at least something was happening. So I said, You see, it's starting to work. I'm going to continue ministering to her until we see 100%. But you now see how this works. You keep going for it. So if you need healing, come up to the front. We had 10 people line up. The rest of the congregation was the prayer team. They came up and ministered to them. And I turned back to that woman, put my hands on her eyes, eyes open in Jesus' name, opened the Bible, and she was completely healed. And so she went to go sit down. I said, Where are you going? Sit down. I said, No, no, no. You come over here and pray for someone. So she sheepishly walked over to the one man who no one was ministering to yet, and it just so happened he was an elderly man who was completely blind. And out of that line of ten people, he was the first one healed that she was praying for. And I I didn't pray for any of them, but every single one of them was healed.
0: Now, you teach something that I think is worth people listening to this interview, just this one thing I'm going to have you talk about. When you pray for someone and they're not healed— Um, most people's faith diminishes. But that's not what happens to Art Thomas. What happens to you?
1: Yeah, I I like to say that every time I minister again, I'm stepping into a new level of faith. So, you know, it takes... How
0: do you step into a new level of faith when you pray for someone and they tie a cancer? (laughs) Give me a break.
1: (laughs) It's very practical, because you know how James says that, uh, you know, Abraham was justified by faith, but it was really laying Isaac on the altar, that act of faith. It was putting his faith into action that brought him, that made him righteous. And so I've realized just the simple act of ministering to the sick is faith in itself. And so, uh, you know, here I am. it, It takes a little measure of trust to say, be healed in Jesus' name. But if it doesn't happen, it takes more faith for me to now ignore that it didn't happen and speak to it again as though I had just seen a thousand miracles. And uh, I just continue to do that. Every time I speak to it again, I know that I'm stepping into a new level of faith because I'm ignoring one more time that it didn't work.
0: You know what? Uh, Some people's mind just went tilt on what you just said. Would you say it again? I mean, this is so good.
1: (laughs) Every time I step into—every time I speak to a condition again, I am having to ignore one more time when it didn't work. And that's a a higher stack of things to ignore than it was the last time, which means I, I am acting on more faith. The very act of me saying, be healed in Jesus' name, is an act of faith. And the more I do it, the greater my actual faith becomes until that mustard seed pops up and moves a mountain.
0: Okay, give me some practical advice. I have prayed over the years Many different times uh, that uh, my eyes be healed, and I not have to wear glasses, and I have an idea I'm not alone. But if you watch me on television, I'm wearing glasses. What advice would you give me?
1: Uh, number one, be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, <laughs> give me more. <laughs> Look around. See if there's any change.
0: Do I see any? Oh, you're really going for it, aren't you? Do I see any change? Look around. See. Uh, I see perfect with my glasses. I, oh, they're tell- my, my producer is saying, take my glasses off.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, I took my glasses off, but my whole headphone came off, too. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Now, uh, now, you have to pray for my headphone. No, I'm teasing. You. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, th- this is a good test. I'm looking at my notes. And I can't read them, so I, I need I need something more. And by the way, am I discouraging you when I'm saying this? Am I what's going on inside of you? Am I discouraging you as I'm kidding you and I'm saying I can't say anything? <laughs>
1: See, what I've learned is if if you were healed instantly, uh, the glory's not mine. I have to take that to Jesus and say, here this belongs to you. If you're not healed instantly, then the burden's not mine, and I take that to Jesus and say, here this belongs to you. So uh, there, there is a sort of disconnect from the glory or the burden. And uh, either way, I can continue to just trust Jesus and walk in faith. And, uh, you know, it doesn't change what's true, right? And I also tell people, you're doing everything right. Like, Jesus raised the dead. A dead person doesn't even have to figure out how to receive, <laughs> you know? just Just be dead. So you're doing everything right. Instead, what I do is I say, all right, we as the body of Christ are growing into this thing. We want to see 100% results like they had in Acts chapter 5 when uh, they were all meeting together in Solomon's Colonnade, and then a few verses later it says, every sick and injured person who came to them was healed. Uh, So we as the body of Christ. It's for us to carry together, and we're wanting to see results, and we contend for it. So practical advice, I'd say, all right, I just aimed for it. Um, You know, if Jesus...
0: Now, is it my lack of faith that I, I wear glasses? No. No.
1: I never put it on the person, because when the epileptic boy wasn't healed, Jesus didn't pin it on the epileptic boy. He didn't pin it on that boy's father, who obviously said, you know... So
0: whose lack of faith is it if it's not mine?
1: (laughs) Well, Matthew 17, the disciples asked him, why couldn't we do what you could do? And Jesus turned to them and said, because you have so little faith. And so for me as a minister, now, mind you, this is for all of the body of Christ to carry. He didn't single out one of the disciples. He said to them collectively, you have so little faith. But if I never ask the personal question, Lord, why couldn't I do it, and I never let him shape me and correct me, Um, about a third of the time I get an answer, you know, if that doesn't happen, then we collectively never will grow into it. So one of the reasons that, you know, I was able to write a book and make a movie and have all this revelation on healing is because every time I try and it doesn't work, I go to Jesus and say, why couldn't I do what you could have done? And again, I, I get a response about a quarter to a third. But, and
0: you don't take condemnation either, I see.
1: None whatsoever. Like I said, it's the, the glory's not mine and the burden's not mine. Cast your burdens on Jesus. If I walked around depressed because people didn't get healed, I'd be... Is, is
0: this God's will that everyone be healed? Do you really believe that?
1: I sincerely do. Um, you know, Jesus paid the same price for salvation, for forgiveness, as he paid for healing. And there's multiple verses where forgiveness and healing are mentioned together. James 5, uh, Isaiah 53, Psalm 103, uh, and even the, the paralytic Lord through the roof, your sins are forgiven. And then to prove that I have the authority to forgive sins, get up, take your mat. Jesus put the authority for forgiveness and for healing in the same context. Otherwise, that wouldn't have been proof. So there is never going to be—I've I, I, found that I can answer most of my questions about God's will to heal if I just replace the word healing with forgiveness. So is there ever a time that a sinner comes to Jesus and says, Lord, forgive me, and he says, I'm sorry, I'm building character in you with this (laughs) sin, and once that's complete, then I'll forgive you. (laughs) It's nonsense when we think of it that way. Jesus decided to forgive 2,000 years ago, and he also decided to heal 2,000 years ago. 1 John 2, 2 says he died not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. And that doesn't mean everyone's saved, but it means everyone is paid for, And that's the same thing for healing. Everyone is paid for. His blood has power today. There's no reason for me to think that his blood is less effective and that God would contradict himself. He made a very powerful decision when he sent his son to the cross.
0: Okay, explain to our listeners right now um, the DVD and the book. Explain what they are.
1: Yeah, the DVD, uh, we wanted to make a movie. My friend James was a, a film music score major at a local university, and for his final project, he wanted a movie that would show people getting healed that his class would have to watch in order for him to get a grade. And me being an evangelist, I said, I'm all over that. Let's do it. And what started out as this little tiny class project to help a friend suddenly exploded into having these interviews with people that, they were phenomenal interviews, And we had more material than we knew what to do with uh, and and cranked it down to as tight of a movie as we could. We took the best of the best of the best footage, the best advice, and we showed uh, miracles happening, uh, had lots of discussion about that. And then the back end of the movie, about the last half hour, all these 30 30 or so people that we interviewed, we asked them for their most practical advice about healing ministry. And then we pulled all that together and presented a training at the end of this film. And so it's, it's not a documentary in the truest sense. It's actually a, an activation type movie.
0: Well, it's not just activation. You pray for the sick at the end of the movie. I, and are you getting many people that say they're getting healed from watching the movie?
1: Yeah. Like I said, we, we've had lots of results with, with people getting healed while watching the film. So it's been amazing.
0: Well, what about churches that are pretty much burned out uh, they, they don't see anything. They're spirit-filled. They believe in healing, but they don't see much going on. Uh, has this reactivated them?
1: Absolutely. In fact, there was a church in Montana that wrote to me, and the pastor said, uh, um, you know, we have people in our church who used to minister healing all the time, but the truth is healing ministry, uh, there, there tends to be an emotional weight. Like, just as I explained how I'm, you know, not carrying the burden, I recognize that the burden is real. Um, you know, when someone close to you dies of cancer and you know that somehow the healing power of Jesus is bottled up inside of you and you couldn't get it out to them, that's heavy for you for you to carry. It, it hurts your heart. And people got discouraged and they gave up. And this pastor said, after watching your movie, after going through the study, the, they have uh, jumped back into this with more enthusiasm than they ever had. So it's uh, it's pretty powerful seeing that happen.
0: Okay. The book... The 40—now, the video, if it was just the DVD, it would have been enough. But this 40-day activation book, I mean, I've been reading these, and every possible area that could stop you from being activated is addressed. So between these two items— uh, I think that wherever you're at, if you've never seen a miracle or or maybe uh, you did and, 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 and you haven't seen it in years or, or maybe you need a miracle for yourself uh, or you have a little house group or a Bible study or an entire church. Can you picture what, what would happen, Art, if entire churches got activated with this?
1: Oh, yeah. I can not only picture it, I've seen it happen.
0: (laughs) Okay. For an investment of $39, I want to rush this to you. If you've never ordered anything before, this is a must. Absolute. And why do I call it investment? Because any profits we make or anything you put in beyond $39 is poured. Into Jewish ministry. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say they're reaching Jewish people, but practically speaking, not a whole lot. I'm telling you, we are reaching large numbers of Jewish people. So I want you to get this book because we're not going to be the only ones reaching people that don't know Jesus. You are too. And when we come back, I'm going to have Art pray for you, if that's okay. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, one 447 2697 Hello, Sid Rothback with Art Thomas, and uh, this is one of these interviews I wish would go on forever. But Art, uh, you say you have a supernatural music gift. Uh, why do you say your music gift is supernatural?
1: Uh, the first reason is because I saw what I could do naturally first. <laughs> and what
0: did you do naturally first?
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh as a kid no singing voice whatsoever. Um just off key and and not together. Uh then in middle school I was in band and I had a D average, which you have to be really bad to get a D average in middle school band. Um but in it, when I was just graduating out of uh 8th grade um, it was either before or after eighth grade, we had a summer tent revival service at our church, and uh, somehow my mom convinced me to take the trumpet out of the back of my closet and uh, that I swore I'd never play again, and to play it during these, this week of meetings at our church. So sheepishly, I pulled it out and practiced with the worship team. I would write down a little two-note harmony that I could figure out on, on my sheet music and Uh, and played. And uh, it was, you know, it was not good. It was pretty lousy. I was off on most notes. But all the little old ladies in our church did the little old lady thing and said, oh, it's so wonderful to see you up there doing this after the revival. So uh, sure enough, they convinced me, and I I kept playing. And just a few months went by, and I realized I was always laying my trumpet on the chair, and I would like to have a, a stand that I could put my trumpet on. So I went in our church's sound booth. There was a junk corner there. I just on a whim, maybe there's a trumpet stand. And I found this stand that held about five or six different musical instruments. There was a place for a, a, a saxophone and a flute, and of course, a trumpet. And I said, bingo, this is it. It had belonged to a guy named Dave who passed away five years earlier, so I knew he didn't need it anymore. <laughs> and uh, I brought it down, set it up on stage, put my trumpet on it, and uh, all these other little apparatus are sticking out from the thing, but it was great. It held my trumpet. And, uh, You know, I had heard the story of Elijah and Elisha, and it might have even been that morning in Sunday school, if I remember right. Uh, But I just, on a whim, with childlike faith, I was about 16 years old, I said, Lord, I want this to be like Elijah's mantle handed off to Elisha, and I want double what Dave had. And I went to get a sip of water before the worship service, just like I always did. And when I came back, the sheet music that I had written my three-note harmony on uh, was gone. The worship leader had changed some songs at the last minute, and here I was, not knowing what I was going to do. I, the, the the drum started playing, and I'm like, "Well, this is it." So I picked up my trumpet and started playing by ear, like I never had before in my life. And uh, since then, I you know I picked up all these instruments pretty quickly.
0: How many instruments do you play right now?
1: Uh, well, I most of them I haven't played in a long time. I've kind of settled on piano and guitar.
0: But how many could you play, at one yeah, time? Yeah, probably
1: right. around a little over twenty.
0: 20 instruments and you can't even sing on tune?
1: I can sing on tune now. <laughs> oh,
0: you can now?
1: I actually got a voice, yeah. So now I lead worship and, you know, I, I uh, play mostly piano when I lead worship, sometimes guitar. Uh, play on my church worship team.
0: So, so just add it and, and let me just ask you a couple questions because I'm curious. How long did it take you to learn how to play the piano?
1: A week. <laughs> I, was,
0: uh, That's, I, I protest. That's unfair. <laughs> uh, uh, how long did it take you to learn the saxophone?
1: Uh, six hours.
0: How long did it take you to learn the flute? Two hours. How many instruments are you, uh, had you been able to play?
1: Previously, I could barely crank out something on a kazoo.
0: <laughs> and currently, you can play?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, in some level of skill, uh, uh, over 20. I'm I'm by no means a Mozart on them but uh, I can play.
0: <laughs> okay, we have people on the edge of their seat. Uh and uh, I put my glasses on, I have to be honest, my staff knew, but you don't know, but now you know. I'm taking them off again. So I'm I'm getting ready for you to pray for everyone but also me. Uh, and now, uh, now, does this count for any condition that anyone has that you're going to pray for? In fact, why don't you teach for about three or four minutes and then pray?
1: Yeah, uh, Jesus paid the price 100% for your spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing, and wants you to be completely whole because he wants you to be able to rel- relate to him and obey him to the fullest capacity that you're able. That doesn't mean that you can't obey him when you're sick. It's just you know as well as I do. That If your body is fully functioning, it's a whole lot easier to do things that you couldn't do if you stayed the same. And so what we're going to do is we're going to seek the Lord for complete wholeness, which Jesus already decided he wants to do. We don't have to beg God because we don't have more compassion than he does. He wants this more than you do. He, was, uh, he wants it more than I do. He was whipped for it. I wasn't. By his stripes, we are healed. So, uh, you know, this, if I could just uh, help you see that this is not about uh, you doing the right thing or jumping through the right hoop. It's all about Jesus doing the right thing. He paid the price for it. He wants it. He would never pay for something he didn't want. I tell people that, uh, you know, if you went to Walmart and bought the biggest big-screen TV you could find uh, and you had it delivered to your house, opened up the box, and it was empty, you'd be pretty irate. You'd be at Walmart. You'd be on the phone. You'd say, give me my money or give me my TV. You don't pay for something that you don't want. And Jesus paid a price much higher than a measly $5,000 so that you could be completely whole, body, soul, and spirit. So right now, I just speak to every sickness, every disease, every spirit of infirmity, leave in Jesus' name. Uh, Pain, stop. Eyes, open. Deaf ears, open in Jesus' name. Uh, Back problems, especially I'm feeling right now. I was healed of four years of degenerative disc disease in 2011, and I'm still completely whole. So I want to speak specifically to degenerative discs in the back and neck, be completely whole, receive new life right now. And I just speak to uh, uh, legs and knees, arthritis, be healed in Jesus' name, cancer, disappear, tumors, shrivel up. There was a woman in Africa, we, uh, the report came to me that she showed up with a tumor on her stomach, so large she, was per- she looked pregnant. And uh, when we ministered healing from the stage and said commanded tumors to leave in Jesus' name, she said it completely vanished. And so I just speak that over uh, you as well. If you've got tumors, if you've got cysts, we've seen them melt under our hands, and we know that Jesus paid for it. Uh, If there's anybody who can test out your condition immediately, start to do it. Start to move around. Try to do something you couldn't do. Uh, I tell people, don't injure yourself. If you're not healed, it's okay. You're doing everything right. But if you are healed, I want you to test it and test it and test it, and uh, don't be afraid to step out and see what God has done.
0: Okay, you've been challenged. I'm going to tell you something. You are. There is no reason why you can't do everything that art can do. As a matter of fact, I believe you can even do it better. I want to get his DVD series, Paid in Full, and his book, The 40-Day Paid in Full Activation Manual, into your hands as soon as possible. It's available for investment of $39. Art, give me a couple of nuggets that uh, are going to help our people.
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, some people are afraid of, of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. Um, you know, there there is something to be said about representing Jesus well. And I've learned that the only way you can do it wrong is just to not— is just to misrepresent him. So, uh, you know, I I encourage people, focus on the character side um, so that whether a person is healed or not, the person you're ministering to still encounters a measure of Jesus. And so I want to make sure that, you know, I'm walking humbly, I'm being gentle. I've learned that your authority is not based on the volume of your voice. It's based on Ephesians 2.6, that right now you are seated on the throne with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And so you can whisper with authority and the demons will flee. The key is found in James where he said, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee. So number one, submit to God. Number two, resist the devil. And uh, if you do that, you're going to see far more results than you ever imagined. But again, don't wait until your character is perfect before you step out. Step out, the Lord will correct you. Um, You know, God told Moses to speak to a rock and water would come out. And instead, Moses struck it. Now, the good news is, water still came out of the rock. God's desire was still accomplished. The bad news is, Moses was disciplined for it. Now, thankfully, we're in a covenant where Jesus takes our punishment. So, uh, you know, we, we're not going to get kicked out of the promised land for ministering the wrong way. But the truth is, he, will, he still disciplines those he loves and uh, punishes everyone he receives as a son. And so he will correct you. He'll, show you, he'll walk you like a son. Son, you did it wrong, let's just do it differently next time. You can represent me well. And uh, we're going to keep doing this thing together. It's a really great way to live. And I can't now imagine living any other way.
0: Tell me about the first healing miracle once you were activated that occurred in your life.
1: Yeah, this was when I preached to my youth group that Jesus wants to heal and he wants you to do it. And there was a group, there was an a, a intern in our church who, being an intern, had no money, no health insurance, and had an ear infection that he just let go and it was causing excruciating pain, and he had actually lost some of the hearing in that ear. And so there was a group of seventh-grade boys who were ministering to him, just like I taught them in the sermon. But again, I still had never seen it happen through me, so even though I just preached with all this emphasis that God's going to do it, I still didn't—I wasn't sure that he would use me. So I stood back and let the kids minister to each other, and these seventh-grade boys laid hands on the intern, be healed in Jesus' name, nothing happened. And so they, uh, he came up to me, the intern, and he said, you know, Pastor Art, I feel bad. They did, you know, they prayed for me. They laid hands on me. Nothing happened. What should I do? And, of course, and
0: that's where I'm at right now, except you didn't lay hands on me. Uh, I, I, I don't feel bad either, but I, wa- I want to s- be able to see. What advice did you give him? What advice are you going to give me?
1: Yep. I said to those boys, uh, I, t- I told my intern, go back to them, have them do the same thing again. So they did. They they did it again. This time, the seventh grade boys came up to me, Pastor Art, we tried everything. And I'm like, really, what did you try? And they listed, you know, we laid hands on them. We, we commanded them to be healed. We prayed for them. Uh, and now again, I don't think it's going to work for me. Uh, I'm just trying to be a typical smart aleck youth pastor who thinks of something they haven't done. And I said, you didn't try everything. Did you try this? And I strode forward, stuck my finger in the intern's ear and just said, open, and the intern goes, oh, my gosh, that worked. And, of course, I was more surprised than he was. I guess it worked, really? And, uh, you know, I learned in that moment, you know, I didn't even say in Jesus' name like you're supposed to. I did I did everything wrong. But I learned it wasn't about having—it uh, it wasn't about doing everything right. It was simply about obeying and believing Jesus, making an opportunity for him to touch someone. And the more we persevere, the more we speak to that stuff—I mean, I was healed. I had scars all over my face from second-degree sunburn. And uh, after a vision of the Lord where uh, I saw him appear to Thomas and say, put your finger where the nails were, I felt he was speaking to me. I didn't just take the pain and suffering for your sin, so you don't have to, but I also even now bear the scars so you don't have to. And I put my hands on my face I said, Jesus, take the scars. Nothing happened. But I made it part of my daily routine, kept laying hands on my face, Jesus, take the scars. And within one month, it was uh, uh, four and a half years before it was even medically plausible for this to happen. Every single one of those scars disappeared. And, okay, and, all
0: right. I got. I got my advice. I want you to take Art Thomas home with you. The best way you can do it is the DVD and the book. I want him to be uh, be your 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 personal trainer. So uh, for available for an investment of thirty nine dollars. This is Sid Roth, the Jewish man that is, Meshuggah for Yeshua. <laughs>
1: You are nei pan Panabelech.
0: To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free. Our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV Network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.